I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play. And wild and sweet, the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. But in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Those words were penned by the now famous poet Henry Wadsworth Longfellow on Christmas Day, 1863. With the good news of Jesus ringing in his ears, why would he be tempted to bow his head in despair? It's because Longfellow was living through a time of personal and political unrest in 1863. At 57 years old, a year older than I am now, at 57, he was a widower. His wife had died two years earlier, uh, the day after her dress caught on fire, and she was severely burned. Uh, Longfellow himself uh, had to use his body to try to smother and suffocate the flames on his wife, and he was so severely burned that he could not even attend her funeral. And he was left to raise their six children on his own. One of whom, 18-year-old, the oldest 18-year-old Charlie, had just in that past year joined the Union Army uh, to fight in the raging Civil War. Just a month before he penned these words, before Longfellow penned these words, Charlie was shot. It went in his left shoulder and came out under his right shoulder blade and nicked his spine on the way through. So on that Christmas day in 1863, the widower, the tired and weary Longfellow, wondered, would his son be paralyzed for the rest of his life. He did recover, but that day he didn't know. That Christmas day, Longfellow felt that the hate that threatened to tear the country apart now threatened to tear away another one of his loved ones. All of the political and personal turmoil he saw did not seem to match the promise of peace he heard in those bells that Christmas day. And I wonder how many of us feel that dissonance that he felt here in 2023. Do you feel the tension between what you hear in the Bible about Jesus and what you see going on in your world, in your family, in your country, in your heart? And as you think about 2024... Are you concerned about the political and personal unrest that may be coming your way? And as you come to Christmas Day 2023, tomorrow, 
are the old familiar carols and stories about the, about the birth of Jesus simply just too old and too familiar to you? I know that feeling. I want to ask you this morning, what news is ringing loudest and deepest in your heart this morning? Longfellow finished the poem with these words. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail. With peace on earth, good will to men. Amen. This morning, I want to ask us, can the good news of great joy that the angels announced to those shepherds that night, can it ring loud and deep enough to keep you from caving in to fear and despair this year? Can the good news of what you hear drown out the bad news of what you see? When Luke wrote this gospel for Theophilus, He wrote it so that he would have certainty concerning what he had been taught about Jesus. He didn't want Jesus to become old and familiar. Luke himself had been traveling with the Apostle Paul on his his missionary journeys as Paul preached Jesus all over the Roman Empire. And Luke would see with his own eyes much of the personal and political trouble that Paul and the other disciples would experience because they preached the good news about Jesus. And Luke would see plenty of evidence that perhaps the story of Jesus was too thin a thread to hang on to when time gets hard, times get hard. And Luke wrote this gospel, at least one of the reasons he wrote this gospel was so that the bells of good news would ring loud enough and deep enough to keep Theophilus and every other follower of Jesus, through the troubles they would see in the days ahead. I need those bells to peal more loud and deep. Do you? In the story of Jesus' birth this morning, Luke is going to ring this bell of good news about Jesus for us. And then he's going to show us how we can continue to hear that good news peal more loud and deep. So, two basic questions for us to answer this morning. The first is, what was the good news that the angels announced about Jesus? What what was the good news that was ringing that night? And the second question will be, how can we continue to hear the bells of the gospel ring? So first, what did the bells ring that first Christmas night? Let's go back to Luke chapter 2, verse 10. And the angel said to them, fear not. One of the most ubiquitous commands in the whole Bible, fear not. For behold, look, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day, it's happening right now in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel 
a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, can you imagine the ringing of that praise? Praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. It's good news of great joy that calms our fears. And now the shepherds were afraid, of course, because one of God's mighty angels was appearing before them. But but there's an even louder and deeper fear that rings in every human heart. And that fear began with Adam and Eve after they rebelled against God in Genesis chapter 3. Remember, God came looking for Adam as they were hiding amongst the trees behind their pitiful little fig leaves. And God said, where are you? And Adam said, I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Adam was afraid because he knew, he knew what he had done. He knew that he deserved to be rejected by the God against whom he had rebelled. He deserved God's judgment. But the good news of Christmas, friends, is that Jesus, the last Adam, came to undo what the first Adam did. And he came to do what the first Adam could never have done. Hebrews 2 tells us that since, therefore, we share in flesh and blood, Jesus himself likewise partook of the same thing that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. The fear of death and the fear of judgment that awaits us after death is being shouted down by the good news that all those who are in Christ no longer have to hide like Adam and Eve did. There should not be any peace on earth and goodwill toward men. Not after what we've done. There shouldn't be peace on earth and goodwill toward men because of our peace-breaking and goodwill-abusing sin against God. And yet, the good news of Christmas is that he was born in humility so that he could die in humiliation and be raised in honor to take our sin and shame away from us by taking our sin and shame on himself in our place. That's the good news that gives great joy to all people. And of all the real fears that Longfellow faced, these were real fears, loss of his wife, loss of his child, and perhaps even loss of his own country. Those are real fears. But there was another fear to which those bells on Christmas Day sang louder and deeper, and that was the fear that God would abandon him to his sin, to Satan, to suffering, and to death forever. And that night in the little town of Bethlehem, the hopes and fears of all the years was met with the good news of great joy that rang out so that every heart could hear it. Fear not, for unto you is born This day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And I want to just, for a few moments, unpack those three names of Jesus. Savior, Christ, Lord. And let's let's let the good news of those three words ring in our hearts this morning. He's the Savior. That means he's a deliverer. 
Zechariah just saying a prayer of praise about this Savior at the end of Luke chapter 1. Jesus is the one Zechariah said that God promised would save his people from their enemy. Our enemies, our sin, Satan, suffering, and death. Jesus, Zechariah said, is the horn of salvation promised to be raised up in David's house. Now, in the Old Testament, horn was a symbol. It was a symbol of strength. So Jesus didn't just come to save. He was strong enough to save. Strong enough to deliver us from sin and Satan and suffering and death. And then Zechariah said that Jesus is the one that John the Baptist would say gives us knowledge of salvation, the forgiveness of our sins. In fact, Jesus' name means Yahweh saves. He came to be our Savior. In 1546, the city of Belgrade was under attack. The Pope of that day ordered that the church bells in churches throughout Europe should ring at noon on a particular day to call people to pray for the defenders of Belgrade to prevail against the onslaught of their enemies. But the news of victory actually came before the bells could be rung at noon. And so, the Pope left the order in place and said, let's let the bells ring the announcement of victory. And there are Catholic and Protestant churches, even to this day, that still ring the bells at noon. The victory bell at noon. Friends, I want to challenge you to come here every Sunday morning in 2024. Because from 10.30 to almost noon, each week we will ring the victory bell to ourselves and to this mountain in our preaching, in our prayers, in our praise, and in our participation in the Lord's Supper. We're going to ring that bell, that victory bell, every Sunday morning. Come and hear it because you need to know that a Savior has been born to you. He's also Christ, which is the Greek form of the word Messiah, which means anointed one. They would anoint kings and prophets and priests with oil uh, for their special place of service to the Lord. And Jesus is the promised prophet, priest, and king who was anointed by the Holy Spirit at his baptism. And in a couple of chapters in Luke, in Luke chapter 4, We're going to hear Jesus talk about his anointing when he reads from Isaiah 61 and he he talks about this one who had been prophesied would be anointed. And Jesus is going to say that he was anointed to do at least two things, preach good news to the poor and proclaim liberty to the captives. So this Christ who has come for you at Christmas has come to preach good news to you, poor people. And we see that he came to the poor and needy and despised, lowly shepherds. Many scholars believe that these were probably the shepherds because of their proximity to Jerusalem. These were probably shepherds 
who raised and shepherded and cared for the temple sacrifice flocks. Flocks that were going to be used in the sacrifice in the temple. And those shepherds were the first ones to see the Lamb of God who was anointed to take away the sins of the world. He came to take away your sin by becoming the Lamb slain for you. But he was also anointed to proclaim liberty to the captives. He was the one anointed to preach and give liberty to captive people. That one was bound himself. He was bound at his birth in swaddling cloths. He was bound by Roman spikes to a wooden cross. He was bound in grave clothes in a borrowed tomb. Only to be liberated from all that bound him so that he could liberate you and me from our sin, our shame, the power of Satan, and the suffering that binds us. In 2024, let's let the old familiar carol about Jesus coming as the lamb who takes away our sins and as the one who was bound so that we could be free. Let's let that old familiar carol ring louder and deeper in our hearts and in our community. And then the angels announced that he would be Lord. Lord. Now this would mean maybe two different things depending on the audience. To Theophilus, who was a Gentile, and by his title, most excellent, may have been a, uh, a leader among the Gentiles in the empire, Lord would mean a very different thing because Caesar was Lord and, and you had to say it and submit to it if you were a citizen of Rome. Um, so to say this baby was coming as Lord, Luke was telling Theophilus and he's telling us, uh, where is Caesar Augustus today? Dust. Where is Quirinius? Dust. Where is Pilate? Dust. Where is Nero? Dust. Jesus Christ is Lord and he lives. So friends, uh, for Theophilus and for us, for all who have followed Jesus throughout time, no matter what is happening politically, Jesus is king. Jesus is Lord. Take comfort in that. Let that ring in your ear and in your heart. But to, but to these shepherds who were Jews, hearing that this Christ, this baby, was Lord, meant something else. Because up until this point, Luke has used the word Lord 19 times. This is the 20th time he uses the word Lord and we're just in chapter 2. And every one of those 19 times so far, he's, the word Lord has referred to Yahweh, the God of the Hebrew people, the living God, the creator God, Yahweh. The Lord who created all things by his word. The Lord who kept his covenant with Abraham. The Lord who met Moses in a burning bush and declared his name as Yahweh, which means I am that I am. I am who I am. 
That Lord led his people from bondage in Egypt to the place where he promised he would dwell with them. That Lord, through his prophets, promised that one day he himself would come to shepherd his people. That Lord is the one who promised he would give them a new heart and put his own spirit inside them to live in them. That Lord has come in this baby. That's what they were hearing. The potter has wrapped himself with clay. The redeemer has robed himself with swaddling cloths so that in Jesus, all of the promises of Yahweh would be yes, 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 yes. That's the Lord they were invited to go see in that manger. And I was struck this week as I look back at chapter 1 at Mary's song, her carol, her song of praise. Mary made this good news about her mighty Lord personal. She said, he who is mighty has done great things for me. For me. Why? Why would he do this for us? The Lord himself, the Lord enveloped himself in flesh and blood to send you a personal message. I love you, and I gave myself for it. When Yahweh wrapped himself in flesh and blood, he wrapped his love in flesh and blood for you and for me. And so let's look at Jesus as we walk through Luke together in 24. Let's look at Jesus as God in the flesh this year together and sing, crown him the Lord of love. Behold his hands and his side, rich wounds yet visible above. In beauty glorified, no angel in the sky can fully bear that sight, but downward bends his burning eye at mystery so bright. Let's, let's turn our burning, curious, uh, craving eyes toward this mystery this year in 24. So that when what we see makes us wonder if he loves us, the words from Mary's Christmas carol will ring louder and deeper in our hearts. He who is mighty has done great things for me in Jesus. That's what I want in 2024. And that's what I want for you. So then what were they supposed to do in response to this message when they heard this bell ringing, these carols ringing of the good news of great joy. How are they supposed to respond? Luke wants to answer that question for Theophilus and for us. How are we supposed to respond to this message? And he does it by giving us what the shepherds, what all of those around, Mary, the shepherds, what all of them did in response to this good news. And the things they did were things that would help them to continue to hear the bells of the good news peal more loud and deep. And we can find instruction from these very quickly. Four things. Seek Jesus. See Jesus. Savor Jesus. And speak Jesus. Look at it with me. Seek Jesus. This is how we're going to keep hearing these bells ring, okay? In 2024. We're going to seek Jesus, in verse 12, the angel said, this will be a sign for you. You will find 
a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger, that assumes you have to be searching and seeking if you're going to find them. And so the, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found the baby and Mary and Joseph. They went with haste and they found another way that that's translated later in Acts 21. It's translated not found, but sought out. It implies a deliberate and diligent search. And so Luke is inviting us to imitate their faith and to hear the good news about Jesus and then go find him. Go do a diligent search. Investigate for yourself the claims of Jesus. And Luke says, I'll give you the material right here. 28 chapters. 24 chapters, excuse me. 24 chapters. And then the whole book of Acts. Go investigate for yourself. Read the other four the other three Gospels, that's what Theophilus was doing by asking Luke to write this account of Jesus' works and words. He was diligently and deliberately seeking Jesus. I want to invite you to do the same with me this coming year. Let's go after him. And then when we find him, see him, see Jesus. In verse 17, it says, when they saw it, They made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. They saw him. They saw Jesus. And then they talked about him and told what they'd heard about him. So they not only saw the person of Jesus, but they also talked about what they had heard was his purpose. So in our study of Luke in the coming year, we should be looking at who Jesus is and listening for what Jesus says and teaches about who he is and why he came. The shepherds return to their same old job, their same old life, Luke says, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. We're going to find out, and I want you to look for it as you read Luke. There's a theme in Luke. He wants us to see what Jesus came to do And hear what Jesus came to say. You're going to see this a lot. We just saw it. They were praising God for all they had heard and seen. Luke will use that. What Jesus does and teaches and what we see and hear about Jesus and what he teaches. So see him. Look at him. Now, you're going to say, well, those shepherds had an advantage, Jimmy. They actually saw him. With, his, with their physical eyes. Well, guess what? Luke and Theophilus didn't see him either. None of us since that time have ever laid eyes on him physically in that way. But we, like Theophilus, um, are going to see by hearing. We're going to see by hearing the eyewitness account. You know, Paul said to the Galatians in Galatians chapter 3, he said, um, he said, it was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Well, the truth of the matter is, 
they were way away from, both geographically and in, in, and in time, away from Jesus being crucified. How is it that he can say they saw him publicly crucified, portrayed as crucified when they weren't there? He means, you saw him in my preaching about him. That's how we see Jesus, as we hear about him from the word of God, read, taught, preached. We will see Jesus this year as we hear Luke tell his story. But now, that's seeking Jesus so that we can see Jesus. But, but the Bible teaches us that merely seeing Jesus is only the beginning and it's not enough. The Psalms tell us to taste and see that the Lord is good. So what that means is to truly see that Jesus is good, you have to savor his goodness to you. You have to savor it. And that's the third thing I think Luke would call us to do this year is savor him. Listen, that's what, that's what it says in verses 18 and 19. All who heard this news about Jesus wondered at it. They were amazed is what that means. They were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things. She treasured them up. That means a continuous contemplation. She kept them and guarded these things as precious. And she pondered them in her heart. She mulled over what she had heard and seen, and she began to try to connect the dots about the person and the purpose of her son, Jesus. And that's what, that's what we're called to do. Once we see him, to savor him. Treasure the good news about Jesus. Treasure Jesus himself. Savor your Savior. Crave your Christ. Love and long for your Lord Jesus. Merely hearing about Jesus and knowing about him won't save you. You have to taste him, and by tasting, say that he is all the good to you that the Bible says he is. Seek Jesus, see Jesus, savor Jesus, and then speak Jesus. Verse 20, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. In 2024, friends, speak praise and worship to God about this Jesus he has given you. Do it here, but do it out there. Speak it. Talk to him. Thank him. But they, only, they didn't only speak Jesus to God. It says that when the shepherds saw what had been going on and made known the saying that had been told them concerning their child, all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. We also speak Jesus to one another and to others. We not only praise God for the wonder of who Jesus is, we proclaim Jesus as a witness to our world and to each other. So, friends, Jesus is the bell that rings loud and clear and deep. He rings, I am your Savior, I am your Christ, 
I am your Lord. Don't forget it. Let it shout down all your fears in 2024. And respond to that in 2024 by seeking him so that you can see him, so that you can savor him, and so that you will overflow to speak him back to God and out to others. Friends, there may come a time in 2024 when you feel your life is just hanging on by a thread, where you feel that your family is just hanging on by a thread. Hey, there may come a time in 2024 when we feel like our country is hanging by a thread. There may come a time in 2024 when we feel like our church is hanging by a thread. But if and when you get to that place, I want you to remember that your God came to you in the thin thread of human flesh to be your Savior, who is your Christ, who is your Lord. He came in dust to be your deliverer. He came in clay to be your Christ. He came in lowliness to be your Lord. Back in the 1800s, Alfred Edersheim marveled at this thin thread of the incarnation of Jesus with these words. He said that on such slender thread as the feeble throb of an infant life, the salvation of the world should hang. Marvel at that, that the whole salvation of the world would hang on the slender thread of a baby in Bethlehem. And no special care watch over the baby's safety, no better shelter be provided than a stable, he said, no other cradle than a manger. And still, he says, it is ever so. He goes on and says, oh, what slender thread has the continued life of the church often seemed to hang. On what feeble throbbing has hung that life of every child of God with no visible outward means to ward off danger, no home of comfort, no rest of ease. It feels sometimes, friends, like we are hanging by a very slender thread. So friends, here's what I want to encourage us to do as I finish. In 2024, let's us, Mountain Fellowship, let's hang on to the slender thread of God's love wrapped in the flesh and blood of Jesus. Let's grab hold of Jesus and hang on him like a church bell ringer pulls the rope until the bells peal more loud and deep. God is not dead nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail. The right shall prevail with peace on earth, goodwill to men. Father, may may we, your church, ever hear those bells of the good news of Jesus ringing louder than any other news that we see or hear. And we ask that your spirit would help us to hold on to Jesus like a bell ringer holds on to a rope. Do that in us today and in the year to come, we ask in Christ's name. Amen.